Uh, our opening scripture today comes from Psalm 145, um, verses 3 and 4. It says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They'll tell of your mighty acts. As we journey through the songs of ascents in our uh, Psalms and in our teaching over these weeks, we've heard that it's a telling of the story and to the generations that are yet to come, as much as it is worshiping the God that we worship. And that's exactly what that psalm is encouraging us to this morning. Great is the Lord and most worthy of our praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We hold that thought in our forefront of our minds this morning as we come collectively, gathering together to bring him our praise and our worship. I'm going to hear God's word read for us. Today's reading is from Psalm chapter 123. I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud. Thank you to Johnny uh, for reading uh, that for us. Um, we continue to use that recorded medium um, here uh, as we use the system that we've uh, got in. We can continue to do that. Um, if at any stage you think that's something maybe I'd like to do, I'd like to record one of those, uh, please do let me know um, and we will get that um, sorted uh, as well. Um, we continue this um, series in the Psalms of the Ascent. It's called The Journey. Um, that sense of, as we've heard, um, these are the Psalms that the nation of Israel sang uh, as they journeyed on a pilgrimage every year um, to Jerusalem. And these were songs um, that effectively became a dog-eared songbook of that nation as they remembered the faithfulness of the God that they worshipped. As they passed that on, as they taught these songs to their children as they walked. And so these were well-known psalms, um, almost psalms that abided in the people, um, psalms that Jesus would have sung on his pilgrimage and journey to Jerusalem. Do you remember that little story? Um, we often uh, share with children, don't we, that um, Jesus, is, uh, Mary and Joseph lost him, um, and whenever they went to find him, he's sitting in the temple. Ask him where he was or what he was at. He said, I'm about my father's business. Um, that was one of those pilgrimages, one of those annual pilgrimages where they traveled um, to Jerusalem. And so this, this sense of these psalms being this dog-eared songbook, these are the things that abided in these people. Um, and we posed the question a couple of weeks ago, what abides in us? What are the things that we recount and recall? What are the memories that we have? What are the portions of Scripture that we recall whenever we need that foundation? Because we worship the creator of God in Genesis 1 who spoke light into being as the same God who desires to guard your steps today. And so, a couple weeks ago we asked the question, what has captured your gaze? What stops you in your tracks? What is it that you focus your time and your energy um, on? Last week we posed the question of his presence is or desire 
Is that your desire? Has that wet your appetite to worship as we gather together to worship? Um, that's not the fulfillment of our hunger for God. That's the only the moment that wets our appetite. That's the moment that stirs us up to find more of Him and to find out more about Him. And so as we approach Psalm 123 today, let's just pause for a moment and pray. Father, as you whet our appetite for more of you, we pray that in this moment, as we open your word, and there will indeed be your words and not mine that would inspire us and lead us and take us deeper into a relationship with you. Lord, that in this moment we would see clearly who you are and what it is that you're saying to us. We would leave changed, renewed, and refreshed by you. In your name. Amen. So first one of this, Psalm 123, says, I lift up my eyes to you. There they are, lifting up their eyes. And again, things are looking up. And that's what we looked at in Psalm 121. Whenever the psalmist posed the question, I lift my eyes up to the hills, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. Do you remember we said that the false idols were on the hills and as people journeyed through the countryside, they would have looked up to the hills to get help that they could have went to a statue or a false god to pray for a specific thing. And so the psalmist was saying, I lift my eyes to the hills and it's, my help doesn't come from those false gods. My help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. And here, just two psalms later, he opens this one with, I lift up my eyes to you. He no longer poses the question of where he's actually looking to. He clearly states who it is that he's looking to. There's majesty in that first verse. I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. There's something about it that shifts our focus. He's saying here that he lifts his eyes up to the Lord, and he doesn't seek help from himself. He doesn't seek help from this material world. He seeks help from outside of ourselves, from the one who is enthroned in heaven, from the one who sits outside of the circumstances that can control us or can drag us down, the circumstances that sometimes we struggle with and are burdened by because the Lord is enthroned in heaven. This is a driving force for us as Christians. There's a new sense of confidence that it's not about me anymore. And that, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, flies in the face of the culture around us. Because it's normally all about me. Not James Boyd, but you know what I mean by that. It's all about me. We live in that increasingly uh, narcissistic culture it's about me. It's about my thoughts, my feelings. It's about how I interpret things. It's, it's all about me. And, and so let's take a selfie. Is that the best way so I don't see my chins? Do you know, but we post and we pose the best of who we believe we are we no longer present ourselves with warts and all. 
But here, in a journey with the Lord, in a journey that says this isn't about me, this is about him, that shifts us, it changes us. There's a new sense of confidence in this because as a Christian, as someone who has given their lives to Christ as a follower, as a disciple, as a pilgrimage on this journey, then we know that whenever the Holy Spirit comes to live with us, the Bible teaches us, as we just sang, the Bible teaches us that the Lord gives us new gifts. Gifts to build up and to edify the church, to edify and build up each other. Not gifts to glorify me, not gifts to build me up and puff me up and make me look good, gifts to build up and edify those around us. And so he says, I lift up my eyes to you, to, to you whose throne is in heaven. And verse 2 says, as the eyes of the slaves look to the hand of their master, and the eyes of a maid looks to the hand of her mistress. Um, it's at this moment that we realize that this journey of faith, this pilgrimage, is about servanthood. This is the moment where, where the psalmist is, is kind of pivoting it and he's saying, actually this journey is about you and I being servants. And we know um, that Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve. Born in a lowly stable, Christmas is just around the corner. So the adverts lead us to believe. And I think, I can't be 100% certain, but whenever I was out for a walk the other night and it was gloomin', you know what gloomin' is? Some people do. Well, that's the Ulster Scots way, proper way, um, of saying it's dusk. It's dark, but it's not dark. You know that kind of thing where you think you see things and you don't? I think I saw a Christmas tree up. I'll not identify the house that I think I saw it in. But it's at Christmas time, actually, that we, that idea of servanthood is brought home to us. That Christ came to serve us. That he left the majesty and the splendor and the glory of heaven and he came to live amongst us in a squalid stable in the dirt and in the sin of this world that he might die for us, that he might serve us through his death. And so the psalmist is saying, his eyes uh, of the slaves look to the hand of the master and the eyes of the maid looks to the hand of her mistress. That the idea of the servanthood is that we learn from someone else. That we are there to serve not ourselves, but someone else. And so... He is showing us what is expected of us. He didn't become a servant so that we could boss him about. Rather to show us an example of what is expected of us. And being a servant expects that we receive mercy. 
See, first three, he says, have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. For at its core, the root of the word mercy has an inclination to stoop. And so the root of this um, Hebrew word for mercy is the inclination that you stoop. And we know that whenever we stoop, we lower ourselves down. We don't take the lofty or the high position, but that we bend the knee. And again, in a sense, that flies in the face of what our culture is teaching us is the thing that we should long after. Because the walk, the pilgrimage, the journey of Christian faith is a journey of surrender. It's the giving up of ourselves that we might learn from the Master. It's the giving up of ourselves and seeing that it is about Him and not about me. It's the giving up of ourselves and seeing that it's in His strength and not my strength. And so we stoop. We seek mercy from the one who can give us mercy. That which we do not deserve. Whenever we seek mercy, we invite heaven to come down. We invite a change in the atmosphere. We invite a change in the circumstances around us, and we invite the kingdom of God into our moment. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as we will pray later in this service. And as we said last week, just like that moment of spontaneous worship or the capturing of our gaze, we invite the Lord into that moment. Have mercy on us. And today we will use a form of prayers that have been written by Dave. He was going to pray with us today. Uh, and his response to those will be, Lord, have mercy. Because we invite the one who is outside of ourselves into our circumstances. We open ourselves before him. And there is something greatly powerful in that. His presence becomes our desire, like we said last week. It's through the lens of our relationship with Him that we see all our other relationships. As the eye of the slaves look to the hand of the master, as the eyes of the maid looks to the hands of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till He shows us His mercy. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. And it's so it's through the relationship that we have with the Lord, with the journey that we are on with Him, that we can view the relationships that are all around us. Those moments where we still ourselves before Him, where we invite Him into our circumstances at the beginning of a day, can sometimes change the perspective of how that day will go. There can be little moments in those quiet moments that mean that whenever something knocks us later in the day, we recall what the Lord has been speaking to us about early in the morning. 
we can find that that's just a word for today. That it's at the hand of the Master that we find our true worth. That it's as we stoop in His presence we find our true worth. I want to read a poem um, to us today. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on this old violin. But he held it up with a smile. Though my bidding, good folks, he cried, who'll start the bidding for me. A pound, a pound, then two, only two? Two pounds. Who'll make it three? Three pounds once, three pounds twice, going for three. But no. From the back of the room, far, far back, a grey-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Wiping the dust from the old violin, he tightened the loosened strings. He played a melody pure and sweet as a carling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand pounds, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going, going, gone. The people cheered, but some of them cried, we do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, battered and scarred with sin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like an old violin. A mess of porridge, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going, he's almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of a master's hand. It's at the touch of his hand that we see our true worth. No one loves you as much as he does. No one desires that you can be your best version as much as he does. But he does that in a relationship with him. As you journey in faith with him. As we journey in faith together in him. And it's when we realize that we are not the masters of our own destiny, preacher included, We realize our own servanthood. And it's our own servanthood that we realize our ultimate freedom. Because in our servanthood to the Master, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we can begin to understand who we truly are. And we see our true worth. And whenever we are truly discontent with this world, we lift up our eyes. And whenever we lift up our eyes, we see him so much more clearly. So today, let our Savior be our master. And let our master be our Savior.
We're going to pray together. So the response when I say, Lord, have mercy, is simply to repeat, Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, as we come before you now to bring our prayers to you, we know that we lift up our eyes to the one who sits enthroned in heaven. We know that you hear us and that you are able to answer our prayers. We know that you can meet our needs. And like a perfect father, you want for us only what is for our good. Lord, you know our needs and the desires of our hearts before we even speak. So we bring before you now our needs and the needs of this world. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Amen. As we close today, uh, we're mindful uh, of that little verse from uh, the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, where he tells us that we worship the God who is able to be immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine. And so may his blessing, the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.